This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. There's a problem with some false doctrines that do not accept that the Lord Jesus was 100% man. And that's a problem because it says in 2 John 1, 7, 2 John 1, 7, many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. If you were to restate 2 John 1, 7, that verse, 2 John 1, 7, you'd say that there's many deceivers in the world today who deny that Jesus was that Jesus Christ was 100% man. And a person who teaches that he's not 100% man is a deceiver and an antichrist. Not the antichrist, but an antichrist, doing the work of antichrist. For example, there's a false doctrine that has to do with how the Lord died. How the Lord died. This doctrine says that the Lord Jesus didn't really die like a normal human would die. This doctrine says that he didn't actually die on the cross, he dismissed his spirit on the cross, which is not how people normally die. So this doctrine is denying that Jesus Christ is 100% man or that he's come in the flesh. And this is wrong. And I didn't even know about this doctrine. I didn't even know about it, except that one of the radio stations in the US expelled me from their station When I was teaching in Psalm 22, and I taught that the Lord showed all the signs of dying of dehydration, and in fact, he died of dehydration. And because I said that, the owner of the station said that, no, the Lord did not die like normal people, he just dismissed his spirit, and then he dismissed my broadcast from the radio station as well. So it's very important for the Lord to use this title for himself, which he does, of the Son of Man, because it's emphasizing that he was in all points like we are, in all points except without sin. Just he was like 100% man, and that makes him a very special high priest to us. Very special high priest because it says in Hebrews 4.15, Hebrews 4.15, 
For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So it's amazing when you think about that, that there's a man in heaven today. There's a man in heaven today who's at the right hand of God. That man is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants everybody to know that he's 100% man. And this was his great aim behind using this title, the Son of Man, so everybody could see that. I mean, there's two phrases you could use. You could say the Son of Man, or you could say the Son of Adam, and there's a great difference between them. Because to call a person the Son of Adam is like saying someone is the son of uh, Bernie Madoff. Okay, <laughs> He's the son of Bernie Madoff. There's actually a family in Germany with Hitler, and they're related to Hitler. Okay, he's a relative of Hitler. He's a relative of Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff, who cheated people out of millions of their hard-earned work for and saved dollars. So to call somebody the son of Bernie Madoff is shameful. I mean, and that's what it means to call someone the son of Adam, because the Lord is sinless. He is never, ever in the Bible called the son of Adam. But since the Lord became a man to save us from our sins, the Lord is called the son of man. Now, this is the first time, as I mentioned here, in the New Testament that the son of man is used but it's not the first time in the Bible. It's not the first time in the Old Testament that, in fact, it's used, the Son of Man is used in Daniel 7.13. Daniel 7.13, which Daniel says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man. Now notice what he says about him. Came with clouds of heaven. Sound familiar? When the Lord said, here, if you see the Son of Man coming in the clouds when he was at his trial, the Sanhedrin. Okay, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. So that's when the title, the Son of Man, is used in the Old Testament. That's the only place in the Old Testament where the term Son of Man is used. That's it, just there, Daniel 7.13. Now I know if you use your Bible search tools that you're gonna see that the term Son of Man appears in the Old Testament 175 times. But all those times, except for that one in Daniel 7.13, it's not saying the Son of Man, it's saying the Son of Adam. And there's, as I mentioned, there's a big difference between saying Son of Man and Son of, the son of Adam. Unfortunately, they all translated in English as the Son of Man. If they would have asked me, I would have told them no, but they didn't ever ask. So the Lord uses this title, Son of Man, and immediately when people hear that Son of Man, because they don't have English Bibles, they have Hebrew Bibles, they know the only place that is used is Daniel 7.13, and that triggers them to say, oh, Daniel 7.13. That's why when his trial at the Sanhedrin, when he said, you'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds, they said, oh, we don't need anything more for accusing. He just made himself God. He's God. They understood that he was calling himself God by calling himself the Son of Man because the scene in Daniel is of him being brought before, coming with the clouds in heaven, and then being brought before the Ancient of Days. He's coming to the God the Father, and he's giving a report. Because the Lord Jesus, in his lifetime here on earth, he was consumed with the knowledge that he was sent. He was sent to earth. That's what Messiah means, anointed, sent, sent. He was sent. And he spoke so often of himself as being sent by God the Father. He was the one sent. And the Messiah is the sent one. And as the Messiah, he's always speaking of his being sent. He, speaks of, he spoke of how if a person received him, that actually they received his sender. 
in Matthew 10.40. In Matthew 10.40, he that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He spoke of his sender sending him to do his works on earth. In Luke 4.18, Luke 4.18, he's quoting from Isaiah. He says, the spirit of the Lord is, is upon me because he hath anointed me, messiahed me, anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. So he spoke of himself as being sent to do all these works. He, there was his works, he, he had a list there. I gotta heal the brokenhearted, I gotta preach deliverance to the captives, I gotta recover sight to the blind, I gotta set at liberty those that are bruised. He, this was his, his mission. He spoke of how if a person despised him, and he was despised and rejected of men, if a person despised him, that they were actually despising the sender. He said in Luke uh, 10, 16, Luke 10, 16, he that heareth you, heareth me. He that despiseth you, despiseth me. He that despiseth me, despiseth him that sent me. And then he spoke about how his life as a sent one was just consumed with doing the will of his sender. He says in John 6, 38, John 6, 38, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. He's always hit this on sending. He spoke of his sender willing that all of the believers, that none of them should perish. That comes from the sender, he says, that no one should be lost in John 6.39. John 6.39, this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but I should raise it up again at the last day. And then he spoke about how his sender, God the Father, was with him. He said in John 8, 29, John 8, 29, he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, and I do always those things that please him. And then he spoke about how he wanted everyone to know that he was sent. He wanted everybody to know. So in John eleven forty two, 42, John eleven forty two, 42, he says, and I knew that thou hearest me always, praying to the Father, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And then he spoke about how believing into him, and it's very important not to see this as just believing in him, not just believing he historically existed, but believing into him. That means taking that step of being in Christ, he says that. He says believing into him is actually believing into his sender. He says, John 12, 44, John 12, 44, Jesus cried and said, he that believeth on me or into me believeth not on me or into me, but on him that sent me. And then he spoke about how if you saw him, you saw the sender. He says in John 12, 45, John 12, 45, he that seeth me seeth him that sent me. And then he spoke about how to not love and obey him was equivalent of not loving and obeying his sender. In John 14, 24, John 14, 24, he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye have heard is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. So all of this comes to mind when it talks about in Daniel 7.13 that the Son of Man is brought before the Ancient of Days to give a report to his sender of his mission. Now we already saw earlier how in Isaiah 49, how his heart was broken, the heart of the Lord Jesus was broken, he was discouraged, he was crushed, because he couldn't succeed in the mission he was sent to do. The mission, he talked about it in Matthew 15, 24, Matthew 15, 24. He answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
Now we understand from Isaiah 49.4, Isaiah 49.4, he said that he was crushed because he said, I said, I have labored in vain and I have spent my strength for naught and in vain. So this was all tied up in him being as the son of man sent to do a mission. And again, he uses the term son of man, not son of Adam. But when we see those together, the son of man and the son of Adam, it makes us think about uh, how he was called in 1 Corinthians 15, 45, 1 Corinthians 15, 45, where it says, and so it's written that the first man, Adam, was made a living soul, but the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. So here, Adam is called the first man, Adam, which was a failure, it was a Bernie Madoff, he fell into sin, but there's a second that the Lord is not called, he's not called the second Adam. He's not called the second Adam in 1 Corinthians 15, 45. He's called the last Adam because there's nobody coming after him that's better because he's the last, he's the ultimate Adam. See, the Lord is the last Adam that did what the first Adam should have done, which was to have resisted sin and not fallen into sin. And this is what we see when we look at the life of the Lord Jesus is that he lives his life like the first Adam should have lived, but he's the last Adam because he resists sin, he doesn't fall into it. The first Adam was made alive, the last Adam makes others alive, that's what it says. Now he says about himself, the son of man hath not where to lay his head. And when he says this, as we said, he's got, he's, this is a push, this is a, this is a hand in the chest of this disciple, this is, a, this is a putting down of this disciple who's come to him who said in verse 19, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou go. Now, when the scribe said that, it wasn't a private meeting between himself and the Lord. It was public. There were all these people around when this certain scribe steps forward and, and he makes this public boasting declaration, Master, I will follow thee. Nobody said this before. I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And that statement was meant to impress others. It reminds me, when I was on the board, I was 11 years on the board at Sharp Hospital, Sharp Grossmont. And we had many projects during those 11 years. We built the West Wing and, and all these things constantly, co-generation plant and so forth. Well, one of the big projects which we did and completed was the building of the new heart and vascular center at Grossmont Hospital. And we had bond money from taxes that you paid on your houses. But we also needed to raise more money for equipment for the heart and vascular center. So we would have these meetings, these public meetings, try to raise money for the Heart and Vascular Center. And there was this, and there'd be speakers and so forth, and there was this one cardiologist, this one cardiologist who would come to the meeting, and we all kind of got used to this, but anyway, he would wait in the meeting till the speaker was in the middle of something, and then this cardiologist would, would interrupt by standing up in the middle of the meeting and walking right up to the podium as the speaker's trying to speak, and hand the speaker a check <laughs> for $50,000. And he interrupted the speaker, and of course then, you know, the, then they announce, the, the speaker stops and says, oh, doctor so-and-so has just handed me a check for $50,000 from the new Heart and Vascular Center. <laughs> and everybody would applaud, you know, okay, we have to do it that way. So the cardiologist waited for the time when he could impress the most number of people with his donation and that's what this scribe is doing here. 
He's waiting for the time when he could impress the most number of people with this great statement of devotion and sacrifice and loyalty. And we can imagine that everyone's standing there saying, wow, that scribe is really something. Look at that. He says, I will follow thee, and I'm going to do this. I will. And, and when he makes this statement, you know, it's like, the, like maybe he interrupted the Lord. I don't know. And the scribe just dedicated himself, and you know, everybody was thinking, let's all give him a round of applause, you know? And so the Lord doesn't say, let's give him a round of applause. Just the opposite. The Lord says, okay, if you're gonna follow me wherever I go, then get prepared to be homeless. And uh, get to prepared to be less fortunate than the birds and the foxes, who, because I don't have a home. As a matter of fact, it was interesting that the Lord chose these two animals, birds and foxes, because the Lord is kind of implying by that. He says, you know, by your statement, the Lord could be saying to him, by your statement, you're just acting like the birds of the air that, that do flyovers. <laughs> they fly overhead, spread their wings, everyone to see the beauty. Wow, birds of the air, they impress. They impress people. And by your statement, you're acting like foxes. You're sneaky. He <laughs> said, you're as sneaky as a fox here because you're trying to bring credit to yourself. So the bottom line of all this is that the Lord does not tolerate any bragging or putting on a show or being a show-off to oppress others. So what the Lord really was doing here is this is a real put-down for this person. Why? Because that's who God is. Isaiah 57.15, Isaiah 57.15 says, Thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, with him also that is of a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. The Lord doesn't dwell with show-offs, and this guy was a show-off, but the Lord says, I don't have a place to lay my head. Now, that was true. I mean, that was the Lord's life. As a baby, he doesn't have a place to lay his head, so he ends up in a manger. In disciples there, and soon we're gonna see him, he's laying his head on a bench on a ship, and then on the cross, he lays it against a piece of wood. That's the Lord. And you look at that and you say, what condescension of the Lord. Here's the maker of the birds and the foxes. Here's the one who put into the mind of the birds and the foxes to build their nests and dig their holes. And he provides for those nests, he provides all, and the holes, as well as providing the daily food for those birds and those foxes. And he makes a statement like this, that he doesn't have a place to lay down like they do. Now, the key to seeing what he's seeing here, the key, let me put it this way, the key to really getting into the depth of what this statement, the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head, can be seen if you just take the word made, M-A-D-E, made. Because the first consideration for the word made is in John 1.3. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So this is saying, if it was made, the Lord Jesus made it. He made everything. It says in John 1.10, John 1.10, that he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He made everything that was made. He made, he, he made the birds, he made the foxes, he made the sticks that the birds make the nest with, he made the dirt that the fox burrow their holes into, and that's the first made. That's in our mind, that he made everything. Now we have the second maid for us to consider, which is the maid in Philippians 2, 7. Philippians 2, 7 and 8. Philippians 2, 7 and 8. 
It says that he also made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So he made the world and he makes himself of no reputation. And that's why he has no place to lay his head because he made himself to be a servant that would die on the cross for our sins. Now the third maid, which comes to us, is a thought of what benefit this brings to us. What's the benefit when he, Lord, made himself to be a servant to die for our sins? And this maid is in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 uh, through 22, verse 22, really. But it's in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 22 where it says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made, that's our word, alive. He made himself to be a servant with no place to lay his head to go to the cross so that we could be made alive in Christ. So he makes himself poorer than the birds and the foxes, and that's the reason why he did it. He became poor. As restated, restated, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye, ye through his poverty might be rich. He made himself poor, to make us rich. We became rich when our sins were paid for. When he became poor and died for them, died for our sins, paid for them on the cross, we became rich, as it says in famous verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 3. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture. We became rich when we were adopted as sons of God. We became adopted as sons of God when he became poor, when he became poor, when he suffered, and when he became poor and suffered, he did that so that he could bring us to God, 1 Peter 3.18, 1 Peter 3.18. Christ has also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. We became rich like kings. We became kings and priests and rulers when he became poor, when he was slain for us. This is in Revelation 5, 9, Revelation 5, 9 and 10. They sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. Just that thought, of God making himself so poor so we can become rich. That's astounding, but it's also foreign to us. Because we think about that, God made himself. I oftentimes hear this, especially in Israel. The Israelis will say to me, what, what are you saying? God became a man? And then it, it, that, and dying like that, they say, no, that's not possible. That, and, I say, and I say, yes, that's foreign, it's foreign to me too. It's foreign to you, it's foreign to me too, why? Well, God said it would be in Isaiah 55, 8. Isaiah 55, 8, God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
and my ways are not your ways, saith the Lord. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.